Namaste. I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in beautiful San Diego. You know, we are always searching for ways to live the example of our teachings in order to improve our world. One of the ways we accomplish this is with Partners Fair Trade Boutique, our store here at the Unity Center campus. You'll find many unique items from around the world, all ethically sourced through fair trade. So we're going to take a look at this idea of creation spirituality this morning. And the concept of creation spirituality is really the theme of Matthew Fox. How many of you are familiar with Matthew Fox? Not the actor Matthew Fox, but the former um, Catholic priest. So just a, a smattering of you, former Catholic priest, um, kicked out of the Catholic Church and uh, absorbed into the Episcopalian Church, author of um, some 37 books, um, really known for his inclusivity, an activist for gender justice, an activist for planet Earth. He was kicked out of the Catholic Church in 1993, excommunicated because of his radical teachings. I tend to realize that I kind of like people who were radical and got kicked out. You know, Jesus, when we take Jesus out of the churchy Jesus, he was radical in his teachings. That's what got him crucified. Um, we have some of the greatest thinkers and teachers on the planet, I think, were radical with their concepts try, in prophetic, trying to wake us up and, and ex explore new ways of being and thinking and, and living. But anyway, Matthew Fox was excommunicated in 1993, and I'm going to share with you some of the um, concepts that got him in, in trouble. Some of them are going to sound very familiar to you. One of the things he did is he, he would talk about God as mother, the feminine aspect of God. The Catholic Church didn't really like that very well. He had a very multicultural staff, and the Catholic Church wanted him to, to get rid of his multicultural staff. He downplayed the idea of original sin, and that's kind of the centerpiece in a lot of traditional Christianity, right? That's what keeps the, the congregation together to work through their guilt and to believe that somehow, some way, some person is going to save them because they're born in original sin. You know, it's a very I'm going to get myself in trouble, but I don't care. A very manipulative way of, of um, con trying to control people and hold people, people back. And so his concept of creation spirituality, I encourage you to go look on his website and make sure you're looking for Matthew Fox, the priest, not Matthew Fox, the actor. You're going to get very different information. But read about his creation spirituality teachings and, and contrast them. I'm only going to share some of them. So this is a paradigm shift that he brought forth in his church, paradigm shift from the fall and redemption kind of religion to what he called cre calls creation-based spirituality. So the emphasis not on fall, meaning the fall of Adam and Eve, and the redemption of that, but not that, but rather this idea of what he calls creation spirituality. So I'm just going to contrast a few of the items that he 
points out on his website. Fall redemption teaching begins with sin. Creation spirituality begins with God's creative energy. Fall redemption begins with original sin. Creation spirituality begins with original blessing. Fall redemption is patriarchal. Creation spirituality is feminist, is gender-based. So you would hear phrases like we hear in unity, father, mother, God, right? Father, mother, God. Fall redemption spirituality, suffering is the wages we pay for our sinfulness. In creation spirituality, he would say that suffering is natural. We all suffer. That suffering represents in a way the birth pains of the universe itself. In fall redemption theology, science is unimportant. In creation spirituality, by teaching about nature, we teach about God. Fall redemption is dualistic. Creation spirituality is dialectic. It is both and, not either or. In fall redemption, you have eternal life after death. <clears throat> in creation spirituality, you have eternal life here now in this moment. In fall redemption, you have guilt, shame, and redemption. In creation, you have thanks and praise. In fall redemption, you have my religion is the only way. In creation spirituality, you have a deep respect and you have ecumenism. Can you see why he got excommunicated? <laughs> Can you see why he got in trouble? Doesn't a lot of that language sound very much like unity, right? Very, very much like unity. I don't know why he didn't jump into unity. I mean, he, he would feel very much at home, I think, in our teachings and in, you know, in our concepts. So, so what is he really trying to point us to, I think? I think he's trying to point us to who and what we really are, that we are born in original blessing, not in original sin. And he's also, I think, trying to point us to our deep work is on the soul level. Our deep work is on the soul level, on the inner level. And as we work on the inner level, as we work on the soul level, as we work with consciousness, that is how we save ourselves. That is how we are redeemed and relieved, if you will, of past mistakes. That is how we are born again into a wholer, more holistic life experience, and that that is available to each and every one of us. To repeat one of the quotes that I began with, um, his quote, he describes what the work is for us to do, and the work is to enlarge our souls. He writes, we must work on our souls, enlarging and expanding them. We do so by experiencing all of life. I want to stop there for just a moment and really emphasize that. We do so by experiencing all of life. It is a misunderstanding, in my opinion, it is a misunderstanding of New Thought's teachings, of Unity's teaching, of the science of mind teaching, to suggest that we only focus on the positive. That is an incomplete understanding of our teaching. 
We are to focus on the inherent good within everyone and within everything. But we do not deny where there is darkness. We do not deny where there are problems. We do not deny where there is harm or evil being done. We look at and attempt to name and understand all of it so we can move beyond that which is dark or move beyond that which is heavy. We must work on our souls, enlarging and expanding them. We do so by experiencing all of life, the beauty and the joy. That's the easy part, right? The beauty and the joy as well as the grief and the pain. Soul work requires paying attention to life to the laughter and the sorrow, the enlightening and the frightening, the inspiring and the silly. All of that lives within us. Is that not true? And all of us have experienced a wide range of life. We are meant to understand or try to understand and see all of it and not shut ourselves off from any part of it. We do so by experiencing all of life, the beauty and joy, as well as the grief and the pain. This came home to me in a very, very powerful way a week ago Friday, and then again yesterday. A week ago Friday, at about 4.45 in the morning, John and I were awakened to a screeching sound and then a very loud crash. We got up, we opened our blinds in our bedroom. Our bedroom's on the second floor of our house. We looked out because we thought for sure there was an accident, but we couldn't see anything. So we went back, we tried to go back to sleep. We thought, well, we'll go out in the morning, we'll walk the neighborhood, maybe you know, a tree fell. We didn't know what happened. Within only a few minutes, we heard voices outside our front door and our neighbors knocking on it. When we came out at about 5 o'clock in the morning, we came out to a car that came to rest on our front yard. And that car had hit our neighbor's um, pillars in his, their driveway, you know, the pillars that you sometimes have, the entrance to the driveway. The car had hit a concrete pillar at least as tall as this and quite a bit wider, carried the pillar with it into our front yard, threw the car's battery a long distance into our driveway, completely demolished the car. It was a fatal accident was a fatal accident. Shocking to walk out and to bear witness to that. From fire engines coming, to the sheriffs coming, to about, this happened at five, they didn't leave until about one o'clock in the afternoon. When it's a fatal accident, roads are closed and uh, police tape is put up because an investigation needs to happen. And I can remember so many feelings associated with that. The absolute feeling of grief and sadness. It was evident the person was dead when the ambulance took the gurney to go try to get the body and then took the gurney empty back to the ambulance and left. 
At that point, we knew it had to be, had to be fatal. But the wide range of feelings, the wide experience of, I remember my first thoughts were, some mother is going to be grieving this morning. Some mother, some person is wondering why their loved one isn't home tonight. And at that point, I didn't have any information, just that this had happened. But the full range of feelings, that is to be human, to have all of the richness and sometimes a real heaviness and pain of life and to try to be a space in which you can hold that while at the same time bringing forth whatever healing energy you can bring into the situation with the sheriffs, with the neighbors, with holding the space for the soul as the soul would have been leaving probably as we were, were out there. Yesterday, the young man, he was an 18-year-old boy, we found out. We don't know the cause of the accident, but an 18-year-old boy, driving much too fast, we do know that, 50 to 60 miles an hour in a 30-mile-an-hour zone. His mother came to our house. We had the most meaningful interaction, two complete strangers. We never know what brings us together as people, right? Sometimes it's great joy, sometimes it's great pain and great sorrow. But she came because in the police report, our address was listed, and when they took the report, I made a point, I rarely do this, but I made a point when they asked for my name to use my title reverend, because I felt maybe in some way that would give this mother, because I believed it was gonna be a mom, that it was gonna be a young person, some comfort. We had the richest conversation, and it was a conversation that relates to what Matthew Fox is talking about here, working on the enlargening of our soul. And we do that not by cutting off when there is tragedy, not by ignoring it or suppressing it or not allowing ourselves to feel it. We enlarge our souls by bringing our full self into the experiences, whether it is an experience of joy that, or awe that just bursts us open in the most delightful way, or the kind of experience that breaks our heart open, and we find ourselves with that question, why? We want to know, we want to know, and yet there are questions and experiences in life that we're never going to have an easy answer. Our spiritual work requires that we lean into and face the things that sometimes are difficult to face. That is one of the teachings of Matthew Fox as well. Facing, not turning away. Say that with me. Facing, not turning away. Leaning in, not pulling back. Say that with me. Leaning in, not pulling back. We can't heal what we refuse to feel. We can't heal what we refuse to feel. Fox writes, facing the darkness, admitting the pain, allowing the pain to be pain is never easy. But if we fail to let pain be pain, and our entire patriarchal culture refuses to let this happen, then pain will haunt us in nightmarish ways. 
we will become pain's victims instead of the healers we might become. Let me repeat that. Facing the darkness, admitting the pain, allowing the pain to be pain is never easy. But if we fail to let pain be pain, then pain will haunt us in nightmarish ways, and we will become victims of pain instead of the healers we might become. As I was thinking about those words yesterday, the pain will haunt us in nightmarish ways if we fail to let pain be pain. If we fail to let pain be pain. I couldn't help but think of what in our culture I think we still do to our young boys and our young men and men. We, we want them to be strong, but there is still an aspect of our culture and our society that doesn't want them to cry, doesn't want them to feel too much. And I think what a great loss that is. It's one of the reasons I so admire and respect the men who find their way into unity and into science of mind and new thought. Because you are the men, I believe, that are much more whole and complete. You are not the either or, you are the both end. You are the kinds of souls that have incarnated in a male body that recognize the value of both your strength but also your sensitivity. And that sensitivity, I think, is so needed in our world. I think it's one of the reasons that there are many people who believe, well, if we could just get more women in important leadership positions, we would change the world. And I think we would. <laughs> I really do think we would. But it's not about the female body. It's about the soul energy of the feminine energy of valuing that more than we have as a society. But to do that means a certain vulnerability. It also means a certain comfort with the sensitive things of, of life and the courage to feel the pain and to weep the tears and to, to agonize over the loss so that then we can move past it. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Facing, not turning away, leaning in, not pulling back. If you have the privilege of being an adult with a young male in your life, a, a nephew, a son, a, a neighbor's child, be an inspiration to them to be a full person that can experience the full range of what it is to be a human being. It is to embrace all of what we are. Another aspect of Fox's teaching is to not settle for spiritual comfort all the time. And I think that's interesting because I think in a way, if we're honest, many of us come into, if we're in a church or a faith tradition, by choice and not out of obligation. So that's an important caveat. If we're in a faith community or, or practice by choice and not by obligation, I think for many of us, maybe we first come in because we're looking for comfort, right? I know I did. I was looking for comfort for a broken heart, a very young broken heart, but I thought my world was over because I cared about somebody who didn't care about me. Broken heart. I was looking for the comfort of, you know, and relief from that pain. 
But Fox says, and I think this is a deeper aspect of the teaching, do not settle for spiritual comfort all the time. He writes, faith takes us to deep places. I like that. Faith takes us to deep places, to the ruptures in our self-confidence and our lives. Do not settle for spiritual comfort all the time. Darkness is divine also. Faith is not about positive thinking so much as about what kicks in when we are weak, sick, and short of self-confidence. That's powerful. Faith is not about positive thinking so much as about what kicks in when we are weak, sick, and short of self-confidence. The via positiva never stands alone. The via negativa is always with us on our faith journey as well. As I was reflecting on these words again yesterday, that faith is not about positive thinking so much as about as what kicks in when we are weak, sick, and short of self-confidence, that faith takes us to deep places, to the ruptures in our self-confidence in our lives, to not settle for spiritual comfort all the time. What comes to my mind that encapsulates that is the image of the symbol of the yin-yang, the light and the dark and the dark and the light, and that we are all of that. And I think that's a maturing that we have to come to in our spiritual journey. And it's certainly a maturing I think we need to come to within the New Thought teaching. To, we, we're very good at recognizing and embracing the light, but we must not turn away from that element that is dark, of acknowledging it so that we can attempt to heal and understand and move through that. To heal and understand and move through that. Another, and I'll have to begin to wrap this up pretty quickly here, I can see. Another aspect of Fox's teaching is this idea of mysticism, of letting go and of emptying. It's a very, to me, a very Buddhist concept, and I like the concept a lot. He writes, healthy mysticism praises acts of letting go, of being emptied, of getting in touch with the space inside, and expanding this until it merges with the space outside. Space meeting space, empty pouring into empty, births happening from that encounter with emptiness, with nothingness. Let us not fight emptiness and nothingness, but allow it to penetrate us even deeper as we penetrate it. I think sometimes in, in our, maybe it's our spiritual immaturity or our spiritual naivety, we, we don't recognize the value of emptiness, and we want to pull away from it. We're afraid of it. We want to fill it right away with something. It's why when something ends, for many people, a relationship ends, a job ends, uh, we lose something, we want to go as quickly as we can to fill it back up without maybe stepping aside for a bit and allowing our sp ourselves to be in the space of not knowing allowing ourselves to be in a space of emptiness where perhaps, not perhaps, but definitely within that emptiness, something new can come through. Again, as I was reading this quote of Matthew Fox yesterday and kind of taking it in and thinking about it, one of my favorite Daniel Namath songs came to my mind, and oh, I wish I could sing it, but I'm not going to. 
but it's his, but I'm singing it in my head. It's his song, Empty Hands. How many of you are familiar with it? It's a beautiful song. If you haven't, if you're not familiar with it, go ahead and, and check it out. But it begins like this. When my hands were empty, when my hope was gone, I couldn't help but wonder, what had I done wrong? Oh, can I relate to that line? But even though my heart was broken, there was no need to despair, because a vessel must be open to put something better there. Into my empty hands, gently you pour new life for me. Yours is the perfect plan. Your ups and downs were meant to be. Now I understand. You needed my empty hands. I think it is one of the ways we enlarge our soul, to be willing to allow some space, to be willing to be emptied out. And even if that feels a little uncomfortable or a little disconcerting, to be willing to be in that space for a bit and trust that in order for something better, in order for something new to really come in and through, spirit, life, the universe, a higher power, whatever you want to call that, needed your emptiness needed your empty hands. Oh man, there's so much more that I can say. Let me see how I want to, I'm going to end with, with this thought of his. He also writes about these times. Are any of you like me somewhat concerned about these times? Okay, <laughs> me too, <laughs> me too. Concerned uh, not for a lot of different reasons, a lot of different, a lot of different ways. Fox suggests that it's precisely the despair of our times that convinces me that a renaissance is right around the corner. Breathe into that. It's a hopeful thought, right? It is precisely the despair of our times that convinces me that a renaissance is right around the corner. He goes on to say, and I really, really appreciate this, a global awakening can only happen from a spiritual awakening that is of global dimensions. Let me repeat that. A global awakening can only happen from a spiritual awakening that is of global dimensions. I believe that's what you and I are about. I believe that that's what you and I in this teaching and those online in our community and in other communities like ours that we are truly about that piece of it, a spiritual awakening of global proportions. We just need to invite others to awaken with us, to make it safe to awaken, inviting to awaken, and to put it out there how important that awakening is. Namaste. Namaste.